Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray. Oh, good and perfect Jesus, as I come before you, I ask you most earnestly to engrave upon my heart a deep and lively faith, hope, and charity, true repentance for my sins, and a firm resolve to make amends. As I reflect upon your five wounds and dwell upon them with deep compassion and grief, I recall good Jesus, the words of the prophet David, spoken long ago concerning yourself. They have pierced my hands and feet. They have numbered all my bones. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So yesterday, oh, so today, who, who, who do I want you to pray for today? Um, I, let's pray for all the people who are dying suddenly, with no real reason named. Uh, it's happening every day. Yesterday was um, Lisa Marie Presley. I think she was 54. Also, uh, former uh, Alabama running back and Denver Broncos uh, football player, Ahmad Galloway, 42, just died suddenly. So if you could just lift up all the people who are dying suddenly to our Lord, and also for those who will die suddenly today and tomorrow, that, that Jesus would give them um, a revelation of his love and mercy before they die. That would be a good thing to do. So yesterday, uh, I was talking to you about lessons from the cross. And the first lesson was that Jesus couldn't carry his own cross, that he needed help. And we, too, are going to need even more help since we're not divine persons. We're human persons. The second uh, lesson I want to talk about today is, and don't get all excited when I say this, Jesus could not save himself. Now, we know in reality Jesus could save himself, but he didn't. So, in essence, he was bound by a higher calling and therefore could not save himself because he wanted to save you and me and all people. Uh, we know from the scriptures, it says they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means Skull Hill. They offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Then they nailed him to the cross. They gambled for his clothes, throwing dice to decide who would get them. It was nine o'clock in the morning when the crucifixion took place. A sign was fastened to the cross above Jesus's head, announcing the charge against him. It read, the King of the Jews. Two criminals were crucified with him, their crosses on either side of his. And the people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at you now, they yelled at him. You can destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, can you? Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. So, this is not uncommon. 2,000 years ago, 
ex criminals being executed were often the subject of taunts and derision from the crowd of spectators. The Romans encouraged it. It was more to add to the humiliation. Uh, there's something in fallen human nature that causes people to want to gloat at the punishment of others. Isn't that weird? We, it has to do with pride. We somehow think we're better than them. Um, the truth is that if everybody was given the same exact graces, we'd probably all turn out pretty much the same. Because there's something that happens when grace is being poured out from heavens. It's a grace just to receive the grace. It's a grace to want the grace. It's a grace to want to be good. And I don't want to get into uh, predestination talks, but there's a lot of factors that go into somebody becoming a saint and somebody going to hell. And I think primarily the one who becomes a saint is responding to grace. And that may be also due to people that are praying for that person, for people that are sacrificing for that person. When Our Lady speaks to us about uh, pray for the souls heading to perdition because no one is praying for them. That was at Fatima. No one's praying for them. See, praying for people makes a difference. It changes the trajectory in one's life. So we can see why our mother in heaven is very, very, very concerned about what's happening on earth because more and more people have stopped praying. More and more people have stopped worshiping God. More and more people have stopped receiving the sacraments in the Catholic Church. We're going in the completely wrong direction. It's reminding me of Our Lady of Good Success. If you haven't heard about her, you really do need to uh, go find out more about that. Maybe I'll talk about that one day uh, next week. Because when she appeared 400 years ago in Quito, Ecuador, to Mother Mariana de Jesus, uh, she showed her what the future looked like, and the sacraments were all but dead. And that's exactly what we're, we're, we're experiencing today, uh, more and more. It's not completely dead because the churches are still open, although we had a period where all the churches closed. Remember that? So who knows what the future holds? But what she showed Mother Mariana was so shocking that uh, she would have died had not she been given the grace to endure the pain and suffering she saw in the future because of the disrespect, the disfigurement of people. Um, she's, it she talks about men dressing as women and women dressing like men and, uh, just the human person being so disfigured with tattoos and piercings and all sorts of weird things. I don't know if she used those words, but she, when we go, I'll go to next week, I'll talk about it. You'll get a whole 30 minutes on it. Anyway, um, even today when someone is executed by the state, there's groups that always gather outside those prison walls. There's the anti-death penalty people. The other group of people are uh, there to celebrate the execution of the criminal. So uh, they carry signs like burn in hell and may you rot in hell and all sorts of terrible things. There's still these looky-loos that come out for executions. So... Uh, Let's go back to the scriptures. So some of the leading priests were also there saying, let the Messiah come down off the cross so that we can see it and believe him. Okay. 
Now, we know that Jesus could have done that. He could have saved himself. He could do anything. He's God. Just as he could have prevented himself from being there in the very first place, as he did many times. It said, says throughout the Gospels that and when the crowd was ready to get him, and he would say, and when he disappeared into the crowd, he knew how to move about. And he knew everything. Today in the Gospel, if he went to Mass, it says he knew their thoughts. He knows the thoughts, even when he was walking around uh, in Israel. He knew the thoughts of people. So he was there not because he was a victim of circumstances beyond his control, 100% not, but because he chose to lay down his life for the sake of the world. Remember earlier he said to his disciples, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I lay down my life that I may have it back again. No one can take my life from me. I lay down my life voluntarily, for I have the right to lay it down when I want to, and also the power to take it again. That's from John 10. Uh, When he's arrested, he says to his disciples, don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? See, he knew everything that was about to take place. And he's trying to teach his disciples and us, by the way, uh, that he chose this path because he loved you that much. And he couldn't stand the idea that you couldn't get to, to be with him in heaven. This is why he came and did this. So uh, in the true reality of what's going on he could absolutely save himself but there's another sense in which we he couldn't save himself and there's an important lesson in the crucifixion jesus could not save himself because he wanted to save you more and so he was bound by the love that he had in creating you and that same love forced him to stay on the cross so he was he was unable to get off because of the overpowering love he had for you and for me. Isn't that incredible? So to save us, and by saving us, he forget, he took all our sins and nailed them to the cross. And therefore, but he had to pay that price. But but the good news is he was willing to, and he did. He paid the price. He was willing to die so that you and me and everyone who chooses to believe in him and follow him could be with God forever in heaven. Now, St. Paul has something to say about this as well. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, All this newness of life is from God, who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be made the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's why he did it. So, uh, when you think of the, the Eucharist means thanksgiving. You know, this is what makes me so sad when I think of, you know, all that he did for us and there's so few people that come to Mass understanding what he did for us and they're there, uh, who knows why they're there. Hopefully they're there for the right reasons. But we should be going to Mass with great, great, great gratitude and thanksgiving for what Jesus did. It's all about thanking him, being grateful, adoring him, worshiping him, loving him. 
That should be our primary motivation for getting up and going to Mass, for getting up and going to uh, confession, for getting up and going to adoration. It's all about thanksgiving. And, and when you consider what he did for you and me, how could you not be happy? How could you not feel elated, so joyful, because of what he did? Because if he didn't do it, there would be no hope at all. It would be a horrible, desperate situation. So what's the third lesson we can take from the crucifixion? Jesus himself experienced separation from God. Now, how can God be separated from God? He is God. Well, you have to understand what's going on here. So here, go back to the scriptures. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at that time, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is a very difficult part of the Passion to explain. Um, it's also uh, the part that Mel Gibson really couldn't capture in his movie. We can see Christ's anguish in the garden, the injustice he suffered at the hands of Pilate, the mistreatment he endured from the soldiers, uh, the beatings, the lashings, all of it. Uh, it's all heartbreaking, but this scene is beyond our ability to understand. At the precise moment that the Son of God's own Father abandons him, um, because at this precise moment the words spoken in Isaiah have become true, the Lord laid on him the guilt and sins of us all. So what is happening? Jesus did nothing wrong. He's there as a willing victim. But as he absorbs all this sin, um, the consolation, the feeling of the Father's presence is diminished. It's diminished until he feels, he feels abandoned, even though he's not abandoned. This is very similar with us. Have you ever felt abandoned by God? Like you're praying, you're praying, you're praying, and you, you feel like he's not answering you? Does he even hear you? Has he gone on vacation? We have those feelings as well, but the truth is he never abandons us. He's always present. Now, we can sever the grace pipeline from him through committing mortal sins, but it, you can never sever his presence because he's, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. St. Paul said, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So in this horrifying moment on the cross, Jesus does experience uh, a separation from his Father. He's also praying, you know, that is not, he didn't make those words up randomly. That's here, that's the word of God already spoken and uh, taken down in the Old Testament. From, uh, it's from a psalm. So he's, he's praying on the cross. Now, we are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus and obey him and follow him. He wants to take all your sins away. If you're Catholic, the easiest way to do that is to go find a priest and go to confession. If you're not a Catholic, make a good... Uh, uh, renouncement of your sins before a crucifix, tell the Lord you're sorry, and repent and change your life, and ask him to forgive you your sins. 
we need to we need to do this in order to have uh, take advantage of the restoration he's given us. We need to be repentant people. It would be terrible to be a proud person or arrogant or presuming in God's uh, great mercy by continuing to sin, hoping you'll be forgiven at the end of life. That's a terrible way to live. Uh, so when we think about all this, <clears throat> the cross, although it's beautiful and it's sweet and it rescued us, <clears throat> excuse me, um, heart, it crosses our hardships, you know, hardships are difficult, but the, the, we, the, at Mass, at every single Mass, we, we say, the priest says, right before the Eucharistic prayer, that we uh, give thanks to you always and everywhere, Father. Are you giving thanks to God always and everywhere for everything? That would mean for your crosses, too. And some people... Uh, their cross is another person. It could be a spouse or a child or a parent. Um, this is the reality of life. The most difficulty one can ever have in life is living out perfect human relationships because it's very difficult because everybody has a will. So if you want to create a powerful change in your life with God's grace, there's always deterrence. There's always deterrence. Some of those deterrents could be uh, feeling that the effort is pointless or uh, resisting to do the thing you must. Frustration with yourself or with others, a distaste for a certain activity that you're supposed to be doing, uh, an urge or a compulsion to an old bad habit. All of these, the temptations the devil uses to drag us away from creating a powerful change in your life. All these things I mentioned, these can, and sin, of course, always, uh, they can derail your efforts to create something new. Now, uh, many of these things are just human emotion. Some of them, you know, a disliking, frustration, uh, laziness. It's all human emotion. It's probably fallen human emotion, but nonetheless, it's human. Uh, to create powerful change, we have to learn to work with these things because you can't just remove them. They're there. So <clears throat> we have to see the gift in everything. This is very difficult, super difficult. So in any activity, in any person, you can find a gift. Sometimes it's obvious when the person in front of you is very kind or generous or funny. It's very easy to receive the gift of that person. But when you're watching uh, someone who's annoying or is uh, a complainer or is mean or even boring, it's harder to see the gift in that person, right? It's just like when you see a beautiful sunset, it's so easy to recognize the beauty in that work God's doing. <coughs> Excuse me. But if you're in the middle of a thunderstorm, you may not be seeing that as a gift so so readily because it might be frightening. But you can do it, but it's something that takes discipline. So when you see the difficult situation and it's upon you, often we want to flee or we want to complain or we want to fight. <laughs> but there's a better way. 
uh, it's to see the gift in what's happening. So if you continue to sit with a particular emotion that you don't like, you'll actually begin to, to sort of soften and relax, and then you can look deeper. And when that person in front of you is causing you frustration, um, there's something they're actually offering you. There's a gift in it if you're willing to look. So if you're taking on uh, an overwhelming or boring project, it can be hard to see the gift. But if you sit with it a little longer, you'll find it in the silence. Silence is critical to the contemplative life. You'll start to realize uh, what the project has to teach you, and it will start to change you. The gift is what the teaching is for you. And this can connect you to God, to yourself, and to the people around you. The gift is the sacredness of the moment that you're in. And it's a profound realization of the wonder of life. And it's always there, if you're willing to look. This just really happened to me this morning. It was funny. I saw a picture of a, a little African boy, and he was smiling, at, but his surroundings were squalor. And I thought, isn't that amazing that this little this little boy is so happy in the midst of what most people would consider a horror show. But something was making him happy. Maybe just the fact that somebody wanted to take his picture made him happy. I don't know. But there's always that gift there. Um, St. Josephine Bakita is one of my favorite saints because she was so horribly tortured. And when she realized that she would have never met Jesus had she not been kidnapped and sold into slavery, she had to thank God for the slave traders because otherwise she may have never met Jesus. So there's always a way, even our suffering draws us closer to God. You have to press in. And the way you start is by just sitting with what you have. Sit still with whatever you're encountering and ask Jesus to show you the gift. Uh, so all these deterrents I mentioned, the frustration, the disliking, all this resisting, what if you pause for a minute to sit still and see the gift of whatever this thing is? What if you let that gift call you to the change you want to make in your life? Now, this sounds a bit erudite, but there's actually something in this. We just have to... Now, of course, if somebody's running at you with a machete, I wouldn't sit still and ponder the gift. Uh, you know, be sensible if there's real danger around you. But otherwise, you know, we can just sit still and think, God made this person wonderfully. He created them. And he placed in them unique abilities and talents, even if I can't see them. And even if I never see them... He, this person is still made in the image and likeness of God. Uh, and we have to recognize that at the very core level of our being. If we can at least do that, you you will be able to see the person with some, but some compassion at whatsoever. There'll be at least a, a flicker of hope there that God made this person. Now, maybe they didn't make good choices with their life, and that's why they're in such a state. But they can always be redeemed. God can turn the corner of their life and bring them back on a path of, of hope and joy and peace. And that's what you can do in the moment. You can say, Lord, I don't know what happened to this person. I don't know why they're so angry or grumpy or boring or lethargic or despairing, but you know, you know everything. 
and you know what they need today. So whatever that one thing is they need to bring them back to you, I'm asking you to give it to them. And make your little prayer and you're done. It's very easy. You know, another very easy thing is in Medjugorje years ago, we used to always talk about the blessing of Mary that she wanted us to give to other people. And it had to be given individually. I, I haven't heard about it in about really 10 years. Nobody really talks about that anymore. I have to go maybe research that a little more, call my friend Anne and see what's what, what happened with that. But I did it for a long time when I was in Manhattan riding the subways. I would just say, I, I, silently, I would go, I pass you the blessing of, the, of Mary. I pass you the blessing of Mary. I pass you the blessing of Mary. To these strangers, hoping that somehow she would give them the special graces that they need for that day. Sort of similar to what I'm talking about, this gift. Well, that's all the time we have for today. It's Friday. Go uh, at some point today and tell Jesus how thankful you are for his passion and death, that you could have life. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great weekend. This is Father Dan signing out. (laughs) 